0: So hi, everyone. I'm joined by our good friend, uh, Professor John Swinton. Uh, John is a, a world-renowned practical theologian. He's someone that has really influenced Sanctuary's work, and he's also an ambassador for Sanctuary. Um, John is based in Aberdeen. He's the Chair of Divinity at the University of Aberdeen, and he joins us today. Hi, John. Hi, Dan. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. So, John, I have a question uh, for you today, and it's really one question that I'd love to get your thoughts on. and and. And the question is born out of this idea that at this time where many people are uh, struggling with their identity, I guess we'd say, because in the West, um, I live in Canada, uh, you live in Scotland. But in our cultures, much of our value is tied to what we do and what we can produce. And so many of my friends at the moment are who are are unable to work or are at home or or struggling to work at home. having a really hard time their mental health is suffering and they're kind of being confronted with this idea of i think i think i'm too defined by what i do uh i wonder are there other ways of how do we how do we frame this are there other worldviews? are there other ways of looking at personhood and the value of persons beyond this sort of western mindset i think i think there are and
1: i think the first thing to think about in relation to certainly in relation to value, is that value is always a gift, so you don't become valuable on your own, Uh, you always have to be given value by somebody else, and that's that's the case, not for just for human beings, but for things as well, so take something like a wedding ring, so a wedding ring itself, unless you're a very wealthy person, probably doesn't cost a lot of money, but the value that a couple put on it, it makes it invaluable, right, so (laughs) <laughs> the value emerges from the uh, the importance of the object for the individual. And it's the same with uh, human beings. Our value doesn't come from ourselves and what we do, although culturally we think that it does or feel that it does. Actually, our value comes from the gifts that other people have given to us, of looking at us and valuing us, ultimately valuing us in relation to God. And I'll come back to that in a second. But even if you, if you're successful in your job, you only really get value if other people think you're successful. So you can have all the money in the world that you want, but if everybody else hates you and everybody else devalues what you do, then the chances are you're not going to feel very valuable. Um, But for most of us, uh, even your work, uh, even the the value you get from your work involves uh, other people giving you that value. And I think that one way in which we can rethink the issue of value is to go back to the the contemplative tradition within the, in Christianity and within other religions as well, where the you know the mystics would go out into the desert to and they wear hair shirts or go up in pillars or do whatever they do do to get away from their reason and to get to, as close to the love of God as possible so that they can come to a stage where the uh, uh, love God simply for God's sake and recognize that God loves them simply for their sake. And it seems to me that the heart of the gospel is, is, is emerges, emerges into that contemplative tradition. What we discover in the life of Jesus, in the gifts of friendship that Jesus gives to the vulnerable and the marginalized, is that love means uh, being loved for who you are and learning how to love God just for who God is not for what you want God to do for you, not for what you hope God will do in the future, but to learn how to love God just for who you are, because that's exactly the way that God loves you. And so um, if we have that kind of perspective and value and identity, then even when we're failures in our work or failures in the things that that we seek to achieve, we actually still have our value, we still have our identity. And we still have fresh possibilities for, for the future, for the present and the future.
0: That's great. Thank you, John. That's, that's just put so well. And it strikes me as um, ironic that just as those desert fathers who would remove themselves from the culture and go out on their own to seek a deeper understanding of who they are and who God is. Um, each of us, in a small kind of way, are being forced to a place of isolation at the moment. Um, so there is an invitation in a weird way there is an invitation for us to to take that difficult path of introspection with God Um, we don't have to go and sit on top of a pillar for 30 years but but we can actually in those moments maybe redemptively use them to seek God directly and say God you know who are you and and because who I understand you to be tells me who I am
1: yeah, we can creatively use the space and even the confinement we have to, to encounter God in new ways if we ha- reframe things a little bit. Because, I mean, there's so many negatives in the situation, but one positive for many of us is that we've got time to do things that we never have time, or time to think in ways that we never normally have time to, or time to be with people in a way that we never normally have time to. And that's that should, we should take advantage of that in the midst of the, the, the genuine horribleness that there's around
0: it. Thank you, John. I really appreciate your thoughts. That's going to help a lot of people.